right in. Hi guys, it is Cheyenne Ross, the ultimate dream catcher. I'm back again with episode number two with Daphne Lee. And I'm so super excited because um, she's just a... She's like a breath of fresh air. Her energy is amazing. Um, so many times you see people on social media and you're like, gee, like I wonder if they're really like that in person. But now that I'm sitting here across from her, interacted with her, she is truly um, a very, very, very pleasant being to be around. So that's totally awesome. Uh, Daphne, I would love for you to introduce yourself to our audience. We're going to dive right in. Uh, for those of you who do not know Daphne, she is 2017 Miss Black USA. Um, she's a ballerina and she is so many awesome things and I'm going to let her tell all the rest. But Daphne, please, let's dive right in. Hey everyone, I'm really excited to be here. And first of all, I just need to say thank you for bringing me out here. Thank you for this opportunity. That's one thing I love to do is share what I've done, my ups, my downs, and just letting everyone know what my little life is like. Um, so thank you for letting me be a part of this. Of like she said, I am the 2017 Miss Black USA. I'm a professional ballerina here in New York City with Dance Theater of Harlem. I'm a graduate student at Hollowins University um, pursuing my MFA in dance, which is something you don't hear of often. And I love popcorn. <laughs> That's like my one thing. That's awesome. <laughs> Actually, um, I love popcorn too. So um, I'll just throw this in there. So I work in corporate America, right? <laughs> and um, every day before the holiday, we, my coworkers and I, they're all sales guys. But we would pop popcorn like oh, every afternoon. And it would smell up the office. Yep. But now this year I came back and I was like, all right. Like, we came let's back to work started. on a Wednesday. Like, let's go. Like, the popcorn keeps popping. <laughs> That's, like, my ultimate go-to snack. So. Now, question about that. Do yes. you prefer kettle corn over popcorn? No, I prefer prefer popcorn. Like popcorn. Like, straight kernels, air popper. That is just <laughs> salt and butter. That is all kettle corn. I'm not I, a I fan of it. I'm not a fan. I've tried it. I, I was open to it, but just not my thing. So I stick to popcorn. Perfect. Ditto. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad that we have that in common. Yes. So um, please tell us, what inspired you to take up ballet out of all dances? Like, how did you get into ballet? Yes, so not many people realize that my mother was a professional ballet dancer. And she came from Europe and came all the way to the States to pursue her dream of becoming a ballerina, which she did. So as she got older and decided to teach more, I came along and I pretty much sat in the studios with her as I saw her teach ballet to many students. So of course, naturally, after a while, you just get up and join. You eventually put your hand on the bar and you start joining. Now, honestly, I don't remember when that was, but obviously I was like <laughs> three, four, you know, mommy and me classes. Um, but that is how I got into dancing and my mother never pushed me. She was just excited that I came along for the ride. But it wasn't until the age of 18 that I decided to pursue dance professionally. And I think that was because, you know, I'm first generation American and my goal was to become a doctor. I just thought, you know, the greatest gift in the world is to heal. And I thought that only meant through medicine. And then I was thinking about money. I thought you needed to be in America. You got to be rich. You got to make a, a bunch of money in order to be happy. And I realized that's not the case. Um, so when I auditioned for Juilliard, I made it all the way to the end. I think that's when the light bulb went off that I think I knew I wanted to try out dance. And the rest is kind of history. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> so amazing. Yeah. So um, 
we're probably going to jump all around. But <laughs> but being that you said that um, you had the ability to heal, like that's, yes. that's mm-hmm. something that's important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you think that through your dance, you can convey that same message, that same energy to your audience? I think that's the most beautiful thing now of realizing now that I'm an artist that I can do that. I didn't realize I can heal through the arts. And I think once I found that out for myself personally and through audience members, I think that's when I really decided to make this my purpose. I remember one performance, um, somebody was super depressed in the audience and they said it wasn't until after watching me um, perform on stage that they actually felt like they could relate, they felt much better, they felt like they've been healed. And I thought, oh my goodness, like this is exactly what I want audience members to feel. I don't right. want them to just see a twinkling dancer on stage. I want them to feel. And that's great because every time I perform on stage, I may be in a different mood. Right. So you're seeing an exaggeration of myself, and that's what the audience wants to see. They want to see human beings on stage, and they want to feel good. Oh, no, of course. So um, I'm glad that you brought that up, that you don't... Sometimes you're in different states. Yes. You're human. We're all We're human. All human. Yeah. So how do you... I would assume that dance and ballet is a sense and form of therapy for you. Yes, definitely. Um, if you're having a bad day, mm-hmm. how would you cope with that? Like before <laughs> you go out on stage, you know, do you think about your audience before your own personal feelings? Hmm. Or do you try to uh, like throw that aside or use the dance as a sense of coping with it? I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. I think I definitely use the dance in order to get through. And then each performance piece has a different, sense or feeling or description so you just embody that and then you realize you get over it yourself and then you realize wait you're here to share you don't know what these audience members are going through or where they came from what backgrounds they have or if this is their first show or this may be their last show so to have that responsibility to convey some good news to them Mm -hmm. it's a huge responsibility so then all of a sudden your feelings kind of do get cast aside but in the meantime you got healed through the movement through the music the lights the sound and the audience's energy we have to do um tech performances well not performances but we do tech rehearsals okay and that's when we're running the piece sometimes in costume and lights but without an audience okay it's completely different than having an audience because you actually do feel the audience's presence there so it makes a huge difference and it makes you just want to perform even more and give more so it becomes after a while an act of being like selfless like you really just want to share with them like look what i can do and of course it's through the vocabulary of classical ballet and definitely um, empathetic as well too I was saying yes. you would definitely have to be an empath in order yes. to go forth with this because right, you're right, connecting right. with people and you're sharing like you're you sharing said. it and I think that's something I really hold down as being an artist like it's not just about the lashes and the makeup and the traveling like this is something I take really seriously like this Passionate. is a big deal for me to be able to go on stage I have two eyes I have legs I can see I can think I can smell like these are things I don't take for granted and to be able to share that with others is a huge responsibility and I take pride in that that's amazing um so my my next question you know okay so competing in the Miss uh Miss Black USA pageant pageantry (laughs) has its own connotation connotation, so when you think of ballet (laughs) then you think of pageants or let's just say the the message that you share on what ballet means to you how did pageantry fall into this (laughs) okay so let's go back 
Um, I started doing pageantry around in my high school age, and that was to get scholarship money. And so these okay. were just local pageants. And I wasn't this charismatic, vibrant person. I'm very quiet. I'm very shy. I'm a homebody. Like, mm-hmm. I just stay at home. I like to, like, <laughs> just chill and relax. So I couldn't really develop a voice. So pageantry just proved to be something competitive that was really difficult for me to try grab onto. It was right. it was hard. I had to learn how to speak and present and my name's that like all of those things I had to learn how to do that was not normal for me. Of course. So it became a learning opportunity and it was fun. You get to meet a lot of different ladies. Um, you get to share experiences. But then I got into grad school and I was like, oh, I need some scholarship money. This is not cheap. Um, so after doing some research about the Miss Black USA organization and what it's done over the past 31 years, I said, you know what, let me go for it and see what happens. And of course, after meeting all these ladies and you realize the bond you have, um, you get to see them excel. Many of them are doctors and lawyers and nurses and musicians. And it's just like, this is incredible. This of is an course. incredible world. And that um, stereotype of pageantry has completely disappeared for me because there is that relationship there. These are hardworking women that want to be able to excel and be recognized for their platforms that they're sharing. Mm-hmm. So this became a whole new movement for me. It wasn't just gowns and, and, and sparkles. Like right. This actually became something where I wanted to try excel it myself in personal interviews, in fitness. It's about competing against yourself. And if you do well to stick out and everyone can see that, then you win the crown. Of course. <laughs> right. Awesome. Yeah. So just share a little bit about what that experience was oh, like, yes. besides from a personal aspect, um, just like being within that environment of those women. Yes. Um, because I competed for the Miss New York pageant. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't do it for, you know, to gain recognition right, or anything right, right, right. like that. I'm a very audacious being, <laughs> and I just like to do things just, just do because. Things just because. Right. Living so life. Yeah. when I did that, it was very interesting because the girls, um, they all came from different backgrounds as okay, well, too. Yes. But it was more so about the glitz and the glamour of it and um you know very prissy and it was the typical it fit into the typical stereotype of what a pageant is right right so what was your experience overall being a part of the miss uh black usa well, being part of Miss Black USA, there is a sisterhoodness to it. Like the moment you arrive and everyone's collecting their sashes and representing their state, you just realize how fun everyone is. Like everyone awesome. was just really here to like connect. Right. Really, there you have deltas, you have alphas, you have the AKs. Like you had everyone there that was just connecting and vibing, and that was really important to me. At that point, I didn't care who won mm-hmm. because I just felt like, wow, I've had such a bond with these ladies. I still connect with them to this day. And you walked away and with something. Already. I walked right, right, right. So even if I didn't win, um, it just felt really great to like have the dinner that we had. And we were all just singing throwback R&B songs. I mean, it was really such a fun, fulfilled moment. Now, not every pageant is the same. Right. Um, however, this really still had the, the glitz and glam of it all. Like we were into it, our hair, doing our makeup and all of that fun stuff. But there was something more about it that it was a deeper set it apart. Right. But I had a blast. I had a blast with all the ladies. I mean, we had fun learning the opening number. I mean, I got to know all these sister queens, and it's just like, wow, like, we don't actually need a crown in order to, like, elevate us. Like, it's it's really been great. But I've also done, you know, many different pageants as well, and you do see the differences. Some of them are only three days long, and you don't really have time to get to know 100 women. Right. Um, So you're just focused on competing, you know, for what it is. But like I said, with Miss Black USA, it really is a sisterhood. It really is like a bonding moment, like a giant sleepover. Right. <laughs> so um, I have two questions that actually follow 
that to yes. that end. Um, so a lot of people, when it comes to networking, they say nowadays, you know, we need to surround ourselves with like-minded individuals. Right, right, right. Being a part of that pageant yes. was something, something that yeah. actually, you know, piggybacked off of that. But when it comes to networking, do you think that it is important for us to involve ourselves with organizations like this? Um, or do you think that maybe, you know, it's something that we can pick up from society? Hmm, very good question. I don't... Go ahead. No, and I was just going to say, I only ask this because... Nowadays, when you look at the African-American community, the black community, mm -hmm. women mm -hmm. that come from that demographic, yes. they don't really support each other too right, tough. Right, right, right. So to hear that, that's amazing. Yes. Okay. But how can we keep that going? Wow, that's hard because I'm a ballerina of color. So you automatically connect with the dancers in your field who are of color of coming course. up through the ranks, right? So that kind of came naturally as it was. Mm -hmm. However, um, I remember my parents telling me to join different organizations or do different things so that way you meet a plethora of people, whether it's people that may be on a different background from you or different interests. Like That was something that was instilled in me. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's because both my parents are foreign and they came to America having to do that. So that's something I grew up, but I believe... It doesn't hurt to join other organizations that help uplift, going to sister circle networks, you know, reaching out to, you know, black travel groups. I don't see anything wrong with that. And I think if we continue to support, that should eventually break the cycle because the more we can pass that down, I think we can get rid of that issue. Right. Um, so for me, I think it is important, I will say. Um, but I don't think it will inhibit if you don't. Right. I think it'll happen naturally through whatever you desire. But if you want to get to a certain level and are interested in meeting new people, then you have to get out of your box and do something strange in order yes. to experience exactly. a different outcome, a strange I think outcome. That's like a natural thing. Like if you're always surrounded by everyone who's. I don't know, always, let's say everyone's dyeing their hair purple and you want to dye your hair green, then you need to go follow those on how they got the <laughs> green hair, what dye they right? Exactly, right. exactly. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Awesome, awesome. So also, um, piggybacking off of the pageant as well, too, yes. and what your ultimate mission was for competing, yes. um, do you think dance has paved the way for your education? Oh, definitely. Yes, I'm a huge um, advocate for going to school for dance. And not that I'm anti, you know, if you don't go, that's I'm not against that either. However, going to school for dance has changed my life in many ways. I went to the Ailey Fordham BFA program. And what's unique about that school is that you have to apply to Alvin Ailey School and get in. And you have to apply to Fordham University and get in. If wow. you don't get into both institutions, you cannot get your BFA in dance. So they really want you to be talented and smart. Smart, right. Um, but I will say that the biggest impact for me was probably the academics because now you're taking this liberal arts degree and you're getting courses where all the professors know about the dance majors and they incorporate art into their studies, into the philosophy, into the, um, uh, oh my God, what's anthropology, um, into the faith and critical reasoning courses. Right. I mean, all of those things have shaped my mindset of how to view art. So right. I didn't graduate from the program just feeling like another dancer looking for some job. Like right. I actually had faith involved. I actually had you know, different mindsets of what it means to be an artist. And then being at the Ailey School, I got, you know, lessons from legends, literally. Um, so it was just an amazing combination of things. And I felt like 
you know, graduating from four years and going into the same, you know, auditioning process and all of that stress, I just felt more calm about everything. And I also knew what the dance meant. I knew how to translate what choreographers were doing. I knew how to feel what they were, were trying to express. And I feel that's very different from dancers that, you know, just may join a company from the age of 18. Of they get that experience, of course, but there's a maturity that happens when you go to school. And there's also that networking ability that comes with being in an institution. Same thing with my graduate school. There was a point where I wanted to quit dance. And I said, you know what, I need to do something. So I applied for the MFA in dance at right. Hollins and changed my life. There's no filter at that school. And you learn so much about the politics of the arts what's happening now what are what messages are we sending i'm able to see situations that are happening in the dance world and i can actually put my finger on it and mm -hmm. say you know why is this that and why is this not that right and it just gave me a broader view of things and now when i go to work i just work completely differently with that mindset i can start seeing political things i can see if dancers are getting brainwashed through choreographers or you know rising up to an occasion that's not really there because we've been told that we need to be this or aspire to that like there's so much more I can now grasp through right. my education with dance. And yes, I got scholarships as well. So, of course, that right. so it was a win-win <laughs> situation win -win. Yeah. all around. That's, um, that's actually amazing. Yeah, and I tell people, I'm like, you know, nothing wrong with cheerleading or baton twirling, but like dance can actually pay you through school and you know it's it's a beautiful profession it's no longer a hobby this right. is something that you can get a doctorate you can get a phd in performance studies wow. you know so this is not a joke anymore like if you want to work in a university a master's is a great thing to get just to have you know and it's it exposes you to so much and i think i'm just grateful to be able to be a part of that institution and it's been it's been hard it's a very hard but program, it's worth but it's it worth it and i'm just like it's changed my life in many ways definitely and i i could only imagine um, when I was younger, I used to do ballet and tap, and I was saying, you know, if I had someone <laughs> like you to look up to, it, it as feels, a, yeah, you know, it, it it's feels, like, wow. Yeah. No, it's like, like there's a whole world, and I'm constantly, like, educating people, like, this is not a joke to me, like, this is something I'm very passionate about, you can go to school for this, like, yeah. there's, you know, people think, oh, you go to college um, for dance, are you just dancing all day? And I'm like, no. No, not at all. It's like, so much more than so that. Much more than that, and just like any profession, I mean, right. Some people, you know, go to school for English, but then end up just opening a cupcake shop or nothing wrong with that, too. But it, it, I'm able to go to school for dance and dance and actually use that knowledge that I got. You know? And apply it. And apply it. And there's to, so many different avenues. avenues. I mean, right. many dancers that work for Google or are graphic designers now or bloggers or create dancewear. I will tell you, <laughs> even, at, even at my company that I currently work for now, there is someone there who dances ballet oh, and yeah, I'm yeah. like oh my god I'm so intrigued <laughs> and he as well right. is going to school and, and to school I was like whoa different avenues. and that's another thing um, artists do too they may not have gone to school or college is not for them which is valid um, but they would go and then eventually going back to school because it's about the knowledge and of course it's a piece of paper but there's something about just getting that extra knowledge and using it to your advantage no of one, course and the first thing on my mfa program director told me was like i don't know what job you're gonna get from this like i'm not here to get you or to segue you into any bigger thing you have to do what you want to do with this degree and the same thing with my BFA program. They said, you may not get a dance job, but you need to make it work. And you will find, we will give you the tools that are necessary to make this happen. 
And that's what I learned about college, to be honest. Right. No one can teach you that. And that <laughs> transparency is definitely appreciated. Yes. But more, most importantly, you're following your dream and right, you're making right, it right, work, right, which right, is right. very important. Yes, that's something I, I find a lot nowadays. Like the older I get, that so many people wish they could have done X, Y, and Z. And because they were scared of finances, they want financial security. And that's all valid. We all have every right. I mean, there are times where I'm like, wait, how am I going to make it to 30? Like, I'm not sure how this is going to happen. But you, it, it, everything falls into place when you do what you need to do. And what's meant for you is literally meant for you. It can't pass yeah. you by. So. Hashtag faith on fleek. <laughs> Hashtag faith on fleek. I love that. <laughs> right. So um, what does ballet mean to you as an Afro-Latina and what is your legacy you hope to leave behind? Because you are a first-generation American. I'm first-gen. So um, where are your parents, where do they originate from? Yes, so my mother was born and raised in London, but her parents are from Barbados and St. Lucia, and my father is from Panama. Okay. Um, so they both met here in Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, look at that! Yes, they met here. My mother was working part-time at a Panamanian bar. Okay. And my father would spill drinks to like make her come over. <laughs> so that's kind of how they met. And of course, my mother was training at the same institution where I work now at Dance Theater oh Park. So it's it's just crazy how that happened. But um, yeah, what does ballet mean to me? Well, now that our our, our former artistic director, Arthur Mitchell, had passed away in September. Oh, wow. And the legacy that he left behind, becoming the first African-American principal dancer for New York City Ballet wow. and creating one of the first African-American ballet companies in America, there's a lot of work to still be done. Of course. But there's a huge legacy that comes with that. So now ballet, to me, is, is more about pointing that foot and... and and, and really reaching those audiences, our communities, our youth. For those that may not see a ballerina up close, like having the accessibility to go around and perform in different cities around the states and the world and perform for people that may not have an opportunity to see this or only see of it on course. TV. I think now that's what ballet means to me. And it's it's a field that's always shifting and changing. And it, you know, from the classicism of ballet to like the new contemporary and, and new works, like. There's such a broad range now, and I think it's such a beautiful thing to be a part of that. I think right. that's one thing ballet means to me. And you mentioned another question. Um, as an Afro-Latina. Yes. As an Afro-Latina, I mean, that's my culture. So I tell people that, yes, I'm a ballet dancer, but ballet wasn't created, you know, it, it, you know, Afri African-American people did not. That's not something that came from us. Because it originated so in Europe. It originated in Europe, in Italy, in France. And so for me, it's important I can still train and, and love ballet, but I'm conscious enough that I don't stray away from my roots. You know Meaning you that I make sure that I know tap. I make sure I know jazz. I make sure I know hip hop. I make sure I know those things because why? Choreographers will come in, take a lot of that black vernacular movement and use it in their contemporary works. Of course. And then so many dancers of color may not recognize what those movements are because they're aspiring so far in the field. Right. So as an Afro-Latina, I want to make sure that I know my roots. I know how to do Panamanian folk dance. I know how to do my West African movement vernacular. And, you know, I'm from Jersey, so I know all the street dances as well. Hello. <laughs> so <laughs> having I have Jersey the, friends. Right. Right, right. So to have that, you know, movement and to still be do ballet, still do ballet, excuse me, it really is just like, I feel like the conscious ballerina, like, yeah, I'm doing ballet and that's something that's not part of my, 
my history per se, even though to be royal and classical is in our, is in our DNA. Of course. But it's something that I don't, um, it's something that I do, but I'm still connected and deeply connected to my roots. And we have a choreographer in Dance Theater of Harlem, a resident choreographer named um, Robert Garland. And majority of his works actually use black vernacularism in classical ballet. Mm -hmm. And it's done tastefully and elegantly that you can see little things. You see the hips, you see right. the, the movement and his rhythms. He's always doing syncopated beats. And for me, I pick it up so easily because I know exactly where he's coming from. Yeah, you so have all of that. I have all that information. And I think that's what's important to me now as a ballet dancer in the 21st century. That is amazing. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so awesome. So what were some of the struggles that you face as a minority in a traditionally white environment? And how may, how might you like overcome those? So for me, um, I haven't faced any hardcore racism. At least I don't remember and I, it wasn't something that shook me up. I was able to do all my auditions for New York City Ballet. Um, the Rock School, Boston Ballet, American Ballet Theater, and I got into all those institutions on full scholarship. Um, I never really felt like I faced anything. I mean, I've seen other issues where when it came to casting, for example, a lot of dance companies that do have, you know, one or two black dancers, they cast them in the Nutcracker for the role of Arabian or coffee. Um, that's always a traditional thing instead of, you know, why not why can't she be the sugar plum fairy? Why right. can't she wear the pretty tutu? Right. So I've seen more issues on the outside, more than things happening to Directly. me. Directly. Um, I think one, if you can consider this an issue, I think one thing was on my hair. I'm notorious, I mean, everybody knows, I'm notorious for changing up my hair, coloring it, cutting it off, shaving, this, that, and the other. But in the classical ballet world, of course, you want to have nice, elegant updos. That's part of the tradition. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is I'm not saying that we need to have afros in ballet class. Right. But I remember being a part of another organization where they weren't sure if my hair was going to go into a French twist. Or they, you know, the, all the kinks and the, it, it's not slicked back. I don't have that kind of take. I have four C hair. So I think sometimes that can be a little disturbing, especially even at my own job. Like a lot of the girls have the kind of hair where they can spray water and it'll just slick back. Um, right. And my hair doesn't necessarily do that. But the way I love to combat that is, as you can see my hair now, I have It's beautiful. And it's twisted. Those edges color. are laid. <laughs> and I always try to have, you know, I'm very proud of my culture and who I am. So I love having black eccentric hair styles that are elegant and still stay true to the tradition of ballet and I love showcasing that when I'm at my job and everyone's like wow like you're still this beautiful ballerina it may not be a slick bun um, per se or a perfect French twist but it's a beautiful way to showcase that and then of course right. when I perform I make sure I have it and I stick to what the uniform look is supposed to be but I'm always showcasing that yes as a little girl you can have hair like mine and do ballet and be perfectly fine and you're confident <laughs> in who you are and I yeah, think that's yeah. what's most important and whatever message that you convey I think the fact that you're confident yes, and you yeah. know who you are you is super it, important. It takes time. I mean, I remember talking to one of my coworkers and he had started twisting his hair. Like it was a really cool hairstyle. I was like, oh, I love it. He was like, yeah, where I was from, he couldn't really appreciate that to a certain extent because he was one of the only few African-American men. So coming to see me in rehearsals and classes and I'll put gold clips, I'll do cornrows, I'll do big chunky twists and pin it. And he was like, yeah, I appreciate my hair more and I want to start playing with that a little bit more. So and that's, that's what trickles down. <laughs> and you know what? Everyone has that moment when they arrive. Yeah, yeah. And I, I will definitely say, um, you know, I just... 
I love this conversation that we're having because you say things that so resonate with me. Um, because for a while, you know, mm-hmm. I've had a complex about my complexion. Mm-hmm. I didn't like my hair. I wanted to perm it, and I did perm okay. it. Yeah. And then it all fell out. And then I was like, <laughs> no, oh boy. I'm like, now what? So then I yes. started all over again yeah. because you had like heat damage and all this right, stuff. Right, right. But now that I'm in my 20s, I'm at a point where I love you my love hair. Who you are. You love and just embrace it. Yeah. And that's exactly what I'm doing. And right. I think once we start to embrace. Right. what we love about ourselves or, or just ourselves in general yeah. everyone that energy is yeah, reciprocated. reciprocated and it's so amazing because now I receive all these compliments and I'm like wow you guys like thank you like it really right. warms me up on yeah. the inside because it's like I knew I looked good but now you tell me I look good I'm like I really look good and that's the thing like I mean there's a historical connotation with our hair from you know Having our roots in Africa where our hair told stories and we're part of, you know, who we are, like, okay, our tribes, our family, to really recognize that, like, we can do everything. And even, you know, Egyptians had wigs and, and leaves and things like that, too. But it's just, you know, when you have that confidence to rock who you are inside the studio, but still so paying beautiful. homage to the tra- tradition of what I do, then it works. And I think that's that's where it comes across as, like, I can do this. And I think people pick up on that. Definitely. Yeah. So um, a part of your journey, along your journey, yes. you had the wonderful opportunity to dance with Beyonce. Oh, I did, yeah. For her Miss <laughs> Carter World Tour. Opening video. The opening video, yes. So what was that experience like? And we want <laughs> all the tea spill all of it the funny thing was it's a gig i want to be clear that it is a gig it wasn't like i was on tour with her i was like ashley everett her main dancer still an amazing gig it was still an amazing gig it was literally during my day off when i was dancing with ailey too and a friend of a friend um had reached out and said hey we need a couple dancers for this gig in brooklyn and i'm like oh it's my day off sure i'll go (laughs) so I ended up going to this big warehouse in Brooklyn. I remember my mother drove me and I had no idea what it was for. They just said, bring your point shoes and just be there. So then I get there and I see all the other black ballerinas that I know. Like literally you can count all of us on one hand. I'm like, okay, we're all here. We still don't know what this is for because we're waiting in a room. Oh my goodness. And all of a sudden I, we see somebody that looks like Tina Knowles. And I'm like, Tina, does somebody look like Tina? <laughs> and she's there sewing a costume for one of these other dancers. So we're like, okay, we, we still don't know. We, we still don't know what this is. Right. So she asked us to come out, and we're in robes. Like she told us to, you know, get dressed and everything, get undressed, excuse me, because they're trying to match costumes for us. Of course. So we get put in costumes. We go to hair and makeup and all of this stuff. And then, like, secretly, they're like, yeah, this is for Beyonce. And we're like, no, like, maybe this is just like a video. She's not really here. But then I see a little girl running around. And that little girl at the time was Blue Ivy. Oh my God. So we're like, wait a second. Maybe this is really real. So anyway, we're dressed up. We're waiting for whatever we're doing. We're working with Frank Gatson, who was the creative director at the time for Beyonce. I awesome. think he still is. So excuse me if it's not correct, but he was there. And he's giving us, you know, formations and telling us what to do. And then all of a sudden, we hear these heels and um uh, this lady comes out in all white makeup all white everything like this beautiful corset like with shells and all this stuff and it's like it's Beyonce and I'm just like oh my goodness like this is really her and she comes in and says hey everyone how are you and I'm like oh <laughs> and you were gonna sleep in that day <laughs> I didn't know about the gig. No, no, no. I'm just joking. Like, oh, maybe this is, I don't know what gig this is. You know, it was an early call. So I was like, oh, okay, sure. 
Um, so, like I said, she's there, and what we had to do was, um, she just wanted to have her court, her queen court. So we were just like the extras that were part of that. So she was walking, and you know, we're walking to one of the songs that she's playing, and we're just walking there with our point shoes and our dresses like had these extra tails so we had to like walk with them held up and she was literally right next to me and all you see me do in the video is like you see my feet and then you see me bow but trust me it was eight hours of work and it was an amazing experience to be there and see her dancers and see tina see blue it was really really cool and that's something i'll never forget so i hope to work with her again (laughs) oh my god that's so awesome and again (laughs) <laughs> the the image that's depicted on social media it's nothing yeah. like having nothing that one to one that, that mm-hmm, personal mm-hmm. interaction and connection yes it was so wild. that's that's super amazing not many people can say that not they have that opportunity that. at least you know you don't really see much of me in the video but it's on youtube and it's on my resume so right <laughs> and it's a memory that you have it's a memory that i'll have that I forever have yeah. you know that's our diana ross per se so it's, right. it's just really cool to have that moment and to see see how real she was um she would sit on the set and as soon as they said set go she would automatically pull up and use her face and model and all this stuff and as soon as they said cut you know she had a little starbucks and she would do something and she was a mom she'd play with blue or just you know you could see she was like tired or just resting and you know as soon as you know they said action she's one of the most hard-working women her work ethic is just impeccable so that's something i really take from her but you also see she's an artist and she's human. Of so course. she was just, you know, she was doing her thing on set. And then, you know, as soon as she was done, she was like, hey, guys, <laughs> you know, just chatting That's with the amazing. dancers. You know, it's a, it's a family. That so transparency was amazing that was to really witness. Good to see because everybody has, you know, expectations. But she has to be the way she is at times. But you realize Beyonce is also a homebody. Like, she likes to go on she's her trips. She's human as well, too. She takes her time. She does what she needs to do. Like, that's really what it's about. Of course. That's so, like, so amazing. <laughs> Super amazing. So what is, um, what is the most important part of this journey that you're on, besides having the experience oh, with Beyonce? Yeah, the most important part. Well, I'm at a part now where I'm learning to just be more grateful for how far I've come. My mother currently is battling multiple myeloma cancer, oh and my, my father currently has Parkinson's disease. So having both parents be sick at the same time has really given me that mind frame of, you know what, be grateful for what you have. And also it's given me a place of humility and how to give back and how to also be patient and know that when things don't go your way, I always use the example, no means next opportunity. So for me, it's just, I've learned to center myself and just be still and really listen to God and just be like, you know what, everything will work out the way it works out, but you are already given the tools, you are equipped. And I think that's where I am at this journey now. After like a bad breakup this summer, my parent, like it's been a lot, like 2018 was definitely a lot, Um, but I'm really using that for like, fire for good so that's kind of where i am now if i could if that makes any sense oh it makes yeah. perfect <laughs> sense um it's like i'm just trying wow. to take everything one bit at a time and no longer jump ahead i'm an aries so i can tend to be very stubborn i tend to be very fast-paced i want things now and that's not how life works it's not my plan everything is guided by another energy right. so i think that's like kind of been my thing and seeing the sickness from my parents it's like okay this is how things have to go. And you have to learn to be patient and treat your parents with the utmost respect. And you play along with that from there. And you do what right. you need to do. Because they've been there for 27 years, you know. Right. So 
having that time to take care of my dad, to take care of my parents, it, it really brings a whole different thing. And now when I go to work, I'm like, I'm super grateful because I know anything can happen at any moment. So I think that's something where I realize, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm happy I got this opportunity, but now I'm taking advantage of all of this and just being happy in that moment. Wow, yeah. that's um. I'm really sorry to hear yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's okay. It's a it's a process. Yeah, it's definitely. And a process. it's really admirable mm-hmm. to see how positive you are you still to, yeah. through it to. all. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's really 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 admirable. Well, thank you. Because not many people would be able no, to do I mean, it. It's weird because people say, "Oh, you're so strong," and sometimes I get upset and I'm like, "But I have no choice." But then I realize, no, not everyone is strong. Not everyone and can like, do that. Right, and I didn't realize that because I'm just like well we just need to do what we have to do um, but then you realize wait like there is I don't know what's keeping me afloat I have no idea of course I cry of course I get upset but of course it's, it's, it's so temporary that it doesn't last and then I wake up the next day and I'm like oh wait I have work I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do you know it just comes out on top for some reason and you know what so, when people when I again I admire people who have that strength because mm-hmm. you don't realize it but what you're going through of course it will look dark and it looks right, like right, so right. many other things you don't realize that you're actually standing in the gap for somebody for else right, right, so right, your right. situation mm-hmm. as bad as it may look right. somebody else they're they're being set free exactly. that's their something breakthrough is, like yeah. you're being used Exactly. For something so much greater than what your situation is. That's what I also love, too. I'm like, the lower you go only means that you have only one direction to go. So for me, it's like, wait, okay, this is happening, but a breakthrough is about to come through because there's, I can't get much lower at this point or what mm-hmm. I think of. And I also know that there, it could always be worse, you know? So for me, it's like, okay, this is where I am. This is another lesson that I, I have to just push through. I was just watching Greenleaf the other day. Oh, I have to catch up. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to have any spoilers, but, you know, something happens with a particular person and they just completely lose faith. And it, it's like, I remember when I was going through that stage, you know, whether in my teenage years or early 20s, and, like, my mom would be like, you have to keep faith. Like, this is the test right here. Like, this is how you, this is how he's trying to see, like, how much can you believe in him to keep going? And of course, the, the opposite energy, the devil or whatever you want to call, is, is gladly waiting. Like, are you going to sink through this? Because I'm right. waiting for you too. You to know? hit rock bottom. Exactly. And it's like, oh no, you're not going to even touch that. And the more you just stay Focus. focused on his plan and what he has for you to do and that positivity, you notice the negative starts starts to drift away because mm-hmm. it's like it can't take all that goodness coming and I think that's something I now visualize and I think I just keep that with me now it's like okay things are bad or this happened or someone passed away and it's like oh but okay but this is how I'm going to grow through that no of course of course oh my god you're <laughs> you're so angelic like no. I just I totally admire you thank you love so um our last question mm-hmm. before we wrap up what advice can you share? I mean, you dropped so many gems throughout this entire conversation, but do you have any specific advice or any specific quotes that you would want to share with young black girls who aren't seeing themselves represented in spaces that they want to go into? I think every interview I do, this is the hardest question. I just never really? know. Yes, it's so difficult because there's so many things. And oh, if I can just tell, um, it, it's, it ranges for me. So every time I do an interview, I'm at a different point. 
So I think oh, right now, I remember it used to be don't have any distractions, like really stay focused. And then there's another one where I'm just like, don't let anybody tell you no. Um, and understanding that rejections are part of the process and that my big thing is no means next opportunity. You just have to keep going. Um, and also knowing that what's for you is for you, won't pass you by. If it's meant to happen, it's meant to happen, good or bad. Um, but I think for young girls um, who look like me, who are aspiring to do these things, continue to aspire to women beyond me. Continue to look at women of who you want to be like and emulate that and then find your own voice within that journey. Um, I think you have to be surrounded by what you want to become, whether that's through social media, whether that's through real life. Maybe you don't have that access, but use those folks as inspiration and um, just know that you have to have faith. You can't you can't say that it's not going to work. You can't speak out any negativity because when you speak something, it'll happen into existence. Um, you have to pray. <laughs> That's, I think, number one, you have to pray. I don't care if it's four times a day or once or once a week. Um, you have to definitely have these self-affirmations. And then wake up, drink water, and talk about through your mind why you are grateful and i think if you just take those little personal things you can get through a lot i think that's the best advice i can give is just having these little daily things to remind you that life is so precious it really um, is. and you just have to do what you want to do don't let anybody tell you well you have to be this or if someone tells you that be that and then always make sure you keep what you want to do on the side of Course. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> awesome. So I thank yeah. you so very much, thank you guys. You. Oh, share with our audience um, how they can keep up with oh, you yeah. if they want to go to a show, all right, of that. Right, right. So, of course, I'm a dancer with Dance Theater of Harlem. We are having our New York City Center season this April, April 10th to the 13th, or 14th, excuse me. And we're celebrating 50 years. So That's make awesome. sure you go to www.dancetheaterofharlem.org to see all our tour dates as well as our performances. If you want to keep up with me personally, check out my Instagram, which is Daphne732. That's my Jersey area code. And um, you'll see all my photo shoots. You'll see different posts about what I'm doing, where I'm going. And of course, Facebook is just regular Daphne Lee. Also, I will have a scholarship coming out this January. And it will be, I believe, a $2,500 scholarship to any artists, female artists of color that are just trying to go to school or do what they need to do. Um, be sure to check that out through the Miss Black USA website and also my website at www.daphnemlee.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Daphne. Yes, and you guys stay tuned for episode number three, whenever that will be. <laughs>